Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right, everybody, coming up, we are going to talk about the bypass. Yes, the bypass. And it's not heart bypass. It does actually deal with your heart, but it has nothing to do with what you're probably thinking. We're talking about a what's known as a spiritual bypass. And it's something you don't want to do. And we're going to go deeper into that with somebody who is very mindful. She has a long, amazing career in the pharmaceutical industry, Uh, very mindful of medications, but she's also the owner of Healthy Mindful Self and helps all of us with all different types of modalities heal from certain things and move our life forward mindfully. And she's Dr. Lisa Nesneski. Welcome back, Lisa. How are you doing? Steve, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well, and I am guilty of having a spiritual bypass, and it's not really the best thing for you, I guess, right? Well, let's recognize and define what it is. You know, when when you mentioned bypass, I was actually thinking of the highway, you know? (laughs) Going around a city. Well, you know yeah. what's funny? In this area, we don't have any of those bypasses. When I think of bypass, maybe it's because of our age. The first thing I think of is somebody having a some kind of heart bypass. Exactly. Exactly. So the spiritual heart bypass is a little different. Um, last week, we talked a lot about uh, bringing a positive feeling into the center of your chest and doing the heart-centered meditation. And when we did that, I thought, okay, now I've got to warn people because mindfulness is not just about, you know, rainbows, unicorns, happy feelings. It it can bring up things that you need to deal with. So in that way, it is a healing practice in that you will then begin to pay attention to those things that you may not have paid attention to. So, you know, let's think back to 2020 when everybody was sort of, you know, in their home and and round about this time, we were all starting to uh, have, it was just unknown and people were dying left and right, you know, and you talk to your friends, well, you know, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's really wrong. But you knew, you knew because you yourself were going through things with all of that. So to just push those uncomfortable feelings or painful feelings or painful emotions away, that's the spiritual bypass, that you don't recognize that mindfulness, you know, maybe it's the mining, if you will, mining of your uh, thoughts and emotions to really um, allow yourself the the presence of mind to be in the moment to to recognize, oh, this is painful. You know what? Things aren't fine. It's, as I've understood it from what I've learned, experienced, putting those things away, like bypassing your feelings and putting them in a, you know, I call it, I have a file cabinet right here. I slam the door as an example. Put in the emotional file cabinet, close the door. I'll deal with that when I need to deal with that. All it's doing is like a pressure cooker inside of you. And at some point, It's got to go. How's it going to go? You know, maybe a breakdown, maybe you cry, whatever. You can only hold so much of that. Right. And if you remember uh, the beginning of seven mindful questions where I talk about how I was so super stressed out and not dealing with it, that my heart rate went all the way down into the the 20s. So, 
I actually thought I was going to check out and I didn't want to miss my life. So I started on this whole pathway so that I could heal the things that were unhealed, that I could address things in a more timely fashion. Things are still painful. Things still hurt. Things are still physically painful. But now I have better skills to deal with them. Is it okay to start feeling numb about things so it doesn't affect you as it used to? For example, let's say you were somebody who slightest little change would make you, oh my God, everything, it's crazy. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how somebody may deal and process with it. Is it reasonable to start to have that exterior coat on yourself so that you just don't react to it in the same way? You go a little numb to it so that you can deal with it in a different way or maybe deal with it when you're ready to deal with it? I think numbing in general is a red flag. Okay. So if you start to numb yourself from feeling certain things, that's a pushing away. So if you are using substances to numb out. I wasn't referring to that though, but I, I, you know, I know where you're going. Yeah, sure. Sure. Right. You're, you're saying let's put an armor on because this is going to be difficult. Um, that's okay in a temporary situation. That's not how to go through life every single day. So, um, if something is going to be difficult, if you acknowledge it first, this is difficult. I'm going through this in a more, uh, this is more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I don't right now have the skills or the wherewithal to process all of it but I want to acknowledge that it exists and I'm going to work myself through this. So that's welcoming it. Mm-hmm. You know, asking, you know, what can I learn from this so that it's not as painful. And when something like this happens again, you're better prepared. Yeah. So just being gently inquisitive, I think is easier than putting up uh, a, a numbing to it. Yeah, I, I I guess I, I I should have been more specific. Like not a complete like it's gone. It's gone. I'm on to the next thing, but more of a not reacting like you normally would and kind of changing it up a little bit to the point where you're just tapping the brakes on it at that moment and then dealing with it. Yes. Acknowledging it yes. and dealing with it. Yes, it's perfectly fine that there are times when you can't stop what you're doing to go process something, right. you know. However, if in your next meditation, you set the intention that I'm going to look at this in meditation and see what I see, right. um, that's very helpful for me. Uh, you know, some someone could say something very uh, provocative, you know, push the buttons and, um, you know, you don't want to really get into it because you're in a good space, you know, and you don't want to, you know, yeah. get into something. So, you realize you're being triggered, but you don't have to. Re- it's the choice. It's the choice. You don't have to respond in that moment. So that's that's the difference between um, having the mindful awareness and and making it a conscious choice to deal with it in a more skillful way at a later time. And you know that's a really great point because let's say it's somebody's doing something. Whether they're intending to push your button or not, again, we've talked about you allow that to happen. 
But if you don't want to deal with it at that time, and maybe it's something that you have to deal with regardless of whether they're intentionally doing it, something that needs to be dealt with, it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of that then. You know, I'll get to that as opposed to maybe where you may have in the past just like freak out immediately. Uh, and what's the point of doing that? <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no positivity in that at all. Right, right. I just watched the documentary on Joy uh, with uh, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. Very interesting. Hmm. And um, coming from a Christian background and studying mindfulness and Buddhism, it's really interesting to see how they're each coming from their own perspective to um, really mindfulness in a way does bring you joy because at some point you're deciding I'm not, I'm just not going to react to that. You know, that's their problem. You know, that's kind of where I was going a a moment ago. Yeah. 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 And it's it's funny you should say that because I, uh, I know somebody who is now studying Buddhism and feels that they're aligned with some of the principles within it. And they're not even coming, they're coming from a Jewish background and it's just, it's kind of working for them, you know, and whatever works for you. (laughs) Many, many of my classmates, when I was going through the certification, were from a Jewish tradition. And, you know, what's really interesting is that um, Buddhism is not really a religion. It's a way to manage your emotions. So we don't, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't revere a deity. You know, you're not praying to someone. Yep. It's just, it's, it's a way to get through life. And it really is in alignment with so many religious traditions, whether it be Islam, Buddhism, um, sorry, Islam or um, Jewish or or Christian. Yep. I, I'm yeah. going to share. I just found the text from this person, and it's it's okay. all anonymous, so we don't even have to to say. But she said here, as you know, I had have a lot of anxiety which she does. She says, I've been studying Buddhism and it has helped greatly with my anxiety. Um, And it also helps whenever I have an anxiety attack. So I'm just, and Oh, this is, this was a pinnacle part of her text. It was a second, second text. Um, Buddhism is all about love and compassion and caring and kindness to others to be the best person you can be. This is who I am innately. And I can relate. I'm a giver full of compassion and love born that way. That's her feelings on it. That's really sweet. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So mindfulness, you know, I, I'm, I'm running some ads and you always get somebody that will make a comment on your ad that uh, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, I, I, honestly, here, here's a good example. It's like, I'm just going to delete that comment and I don't have the energy in me to explain the difference to this random person. If they were in my class and they were asking me, I would devote as much time as possible. But random comments, I, I don't give any credence. So, like, Well, there you go, what we talked about. My, yeah. you, yes, didn't, exactly. you, didn't, you didn't give them your power, number one. And number two, and I didn't see the comment, I, you know, I don't know all the pieces here, but to me, what does that have to do with religion? It's actually better because you're being mindful of who you are and potentially your religious background as well. If you want to incorporate that, all those things, why is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but Uh, anything other than traditions 
you know, there's there are people that won't have an open mind that you can learn from all kinds of experiences. So, hmm. all yeah. Right. Well, you know, uh, they should uh, educate themselves more on what mindfulness actually is. And I, it was probably a knee-jerk reaction to click it and comment. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. That's unfortunate. Uh, how can we, when it's a painful situation, being mindful of mindfulness, how can we use those those principles to help us along better with something that's that's bothering us? We're dealing with you know a sad situation, grief, even anxiety. You know, there's some really great uh, practitioners who uh, work as death doulas using mindfulness. So they help people transition over. And many of these people in hospice are in tremendous amounts of physical pain. So by having them just recognize what they can tolerate through mindfulness kind of takes the edge off that pain. There's a great story of a gentleman who is, um, Ostashevsky is his name, uh, Frank Ostashevsky. Frank Ostashevsky, the physician, he's in in this practice, written many books on it. And he talks about a guy who's just about ready to die, but but he keeps working with him. May I put my hand on you? No, 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 that's too painful. So finally, it, it got to be to the point where the hand was about 12 inches from the body and he could tolerate that, someone's presence in his energy field. Mm. And that, that was comforting to him. So, so as you're going through a painful situation, just keep backing it off and being aware until you can tolerate that pain. And you, it may be tremendous pain that, that like the case of the gentleman who was passing away, meaning that someone even touching them was going to be way too much. So having that awareness to to know that you don't have to sit in that pain you can back it off until you're comfortable with it the tolerance level a great analogy yeah because depending on the situation and how it's affecting you to deal with it a little in a, in a lesser way that you can at that moment uh, sure you know but you should, like we said in the beginning it's not you got to deal with it you know, at some point you have to deal with it. You know, you can't just right. pretend it's not right. there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, my IT guy who was looking through my ads took took out the word healing and cure and made them both the same word. And it's not the same thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't have the energy to explain the difference to an IT guy. Let's just get this project done. Yep. But the point yep. about healing you can heal your emotions and still have a terminal illness. You can heal your relationships and still have a terminal illness. And many of, of the gifts that are, are through these terminal illnesses are that there are parts of your life that you haven't addressed and haven't healed. And since you know time is short, this is your opportunity to address them. And many people do. And when I worked in the cancer center, the administrator of a cancer center, uh, I had wonderful nurse navigators that that was really, they were so emotionally in tune with their clients that they, they really helped them, not just with the actual physical ailment, 
but anything going around that, because, you know, cancer is one of those illnesses that when you get one of the big cancers, you know, everyone in the family gets cancer because it impacts every single person, you know? So uh, it was really my pleasure to work with these gals who were really in tune with understanding that they were not going to be cured, but they could heal so many aspects of their life before they went on. Mm. Going back to the IT guy, I'm thinking that he was, because there are regulations when you advertise digitally of making bold claims, cure is a flag. It's a red flag where, you know, the ad could be shut down and not allowed to run wherever. You, I don't know if you were running social or Google or Good whatever. Point. Yes. So, yes. Social. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he may be looking yes. at that. I do marketing. I know. Right. Exactly. Uh, he's looking exactly. at that. I'm looking at it from my window. Right. I'm going to look at This is all IT stuff. I'm going to look at it with his window. I'm going to be open to that. And that's probably what it was. And and heal is very different than cure. Yeah. You're, you're not, you know, if you, you're not saying you're healing cancer, you're healing the emotions connected to cancer. Are we curing the cancer? No. And this is just a hypothetical, but I, you know, I get it. How some people may look at the two, you know, in the same kind of way. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, fair enough. Yeah. But then again, we all have different ways of looking at things, you know? Exactly. And that's why, you know, knowing your limitations on things and sitting, you know, I once tried to be, uh, there's a medical record called Epic. I tried to be the uh, Epic certified pharmacist doing IP. That is so not me. So not me. I uh, developed tremendous anxiety and perfectionism, ADD, mm-hmm. that I could not pass the final exam because I gave up. I could not get it to work. And so I'm like, you know what? I don't like my person as this. I don't like who I'm becoming. And so I had the the wherewithal to withdraw from that and um, much happier. And now the experience of that is that I get help for all the IT stuff. I don't rely on myself to do it because I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Well, you know, it should come naturally. It should flow out of you. And that definitely doesn't sound like it was flowing out of you. It was like, you had to pull it out of you. (laughs) You know, it should be natural. Uh, I totally get it. I want to go back to what you said before, Lisa, where you were struggling with some things way back before you got deep into mindfulness and it actually took your heart rate down. I find that interesting because yes. I, I, I would think that maybe it would go the other way from stress and anxiety that it would raise your heart rate up. So from a medical way, how did, how did that happen? Well, they're not exactly sure. Cardiovascularly, uh, everything uh, was fine. Um, I had no arrhythmias. I had uh, a good um, ejection fraction. In other words, my heart was pumping adequately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I had a conversation with uh, a Reiki master this past week, and she asked, who does your heart beat for? Mm. So my heart was beating for everybody else at that time and not me. I wasn't paying attention to myself. Mm. So it was going to reach out and grab me because I wasn't paying attention to my body. And that's, that's a lot of times what happens with illnesses. I mean, you get little prodromes here and there and you, fluff it off and until finally it's like hello lisa wake up we cannot continue like this this is your heart speaking yeah stop it it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. as if you went into shutdown you're in shutdown mode yeah. 
flip all the switches yeah. off. I'm, you know, nah, you're not checking yeah. out. Well, yeah, it was Maybe close. It was close. Yeah. So it was with every um, constriction of my heart. I had chest pain when this was happening because the heart rate was going down. Wow. And uh, my EKG was normal. My blood pressure was normal, but it was my heart rate that was dropping. And I finally had to say to everyone in the room, watch the monitor, look at my heart rate. I had to tell them because the normal things that they look for were normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, I, yeah. And the reason I, I brought that up was I wound up in the hospital myself and it, because I had massive anxiety. So what is going on? I'm like, I can't, I feel like my eyeballs are going to pop through my head. What was it? It turned out to be a, an ulcer and it wasn't even a, you know, a big one, but it was sitting there festering for a while and I didn't know what it was. I knew I had like some kind of stomach issue, but didn't know that it was. And then the more you think about it, direct connection from here down to here and that's what it turned into and that, you know, they figured it out right away, but that's, I was on the other extreme. You were, you were on the other side of things. So I'm tr trying to figure sure. that out. Interesting. Wow. But the, the, the commonality that we're talking about is your body will let you know that you are not paying attention. Yeah. And so that is one of the fruits of mindfulness is that your body begins to tell you things in a way that once you're starting to pay attention to those you start to address things before they become problems. What's the, we have a few minutes left. What's the, what's the first step in mindfulness? Just, we've done this a number of times. The first step is paying attention to your breath. Okay. And let's say you have an illness where you can't, you know, it's possible that you have uh, what's called COPD or asthma or something where bringing uh, your attention to your breath would cause anxiety. The next logical step is paying attention to sensations in your body, which is what we've been talking about today. You know, as you're sitting in your chair, what is your, your, uh, how does it feel against your back? Where do your legs fit? So paying attention to those sensations. Um, I'm going to be actually doing a body scan tomorrow night in my Tuesday night meditation group, 7 p.m. Um, Eastern. And the third way, breath, bodily sensation. The third way is to pay attention to ambient sound. So a lot of times when I'm recording in this room, my pool has a water feature that you can hear water running all the time. Not the worst thing. Not the worst thing. Yeah, yeah not the worst thing. Um, it, it does add some some background noise, but, um, you know, one of the best places that I learned to uh, pay attention to ambient noises was in an airport, lots of ambient noise there. Mm -hmm. And I usually get to my gate 30 minutes before time. So I use that 30 minutes to just go into an ambient sound meditation. Hmm. Interesting. It's almost like white noise. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. But, but it's like, there's an announcement. There's a family that doesn't look too happy, you know, crying yeah. kid or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're, you're actually acknowledging that sound. You know, if you're outside walking, oh, there's a bird. Oh, there's a dog. Here comes a car. Those kinds of things. But just gently exploring those uh, through, through meditate, a meditative practice. So what I'm hearing here from you, Lisa, is when we talk about your breathing, uh, your surroundings, the ambient noise, it's just being present. It's yes. being in the moment. 
Yes, without judgment. Yes, like, okay, fair enough. When that family walks by or that woman walks by with these crazy-looking shoes in the airport and all you hear is (laughs) as she walks past you, don't judge. Just listen, be aware of a certain sound that it made, and then on to the next sound. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Being that... If I could tell you, you know, not about me, but this is my, yeah, in my journey in the last even two years, the last, the biggest lesson that I learned was be in the present, be in the present because somebody said recently and it kind of clicked and this is true for everybody. If, if you're thinking about the past, it's typically depression. It can be depressing. If you think about the future, what is that? That is anxiety. Anxiety. And that was me. I told you. Did that. you tell me that? Because I heard it again. I heard. No way. I, I, it's, there's a universe's way of dropping it out of the sky. Well, um, that that message is important. It really for is for us and our listeners to be in that present moment. And that's, I think, I shared with you that uh, I met somebody like two years ago. We hardly even stay in contact now, but I believe that person pass by me at that moment, you know, for a few months or whatever. Uh, and her message to me was, why don't you ever live in the moment? And I had no idea what you were talking about. What are you, what are you talking about? It took me a couple of days to realize. I'm like, oh, why don't you live in the present? Oh, I get it now. And that, there was the aha moment that went off. Wow. Great. I wasn't, Great. Mindful. I wasn't mindful. That's a problem. <laughs> I really wasn't. Yeah. And, and don't beat yourself up over that. We no. all, it, it's a journey. It's a process. It's that whole without judgment. It's like, Oh, I get it. And I'll try better. You know what? Everything's a learning lesson. And that was my lesson that I learned from that, you know, and that's why what we illustrate, you know, don't go into that spiritual bypass, you know, mindfulness is so key and you're the expert at it. Got to tell you, <laughs> nobody knows it like you do. Uh, yeah, I've messed up enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? That your 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 lesson is everybody else's. So, uh, and you literally wrote the book on it. So, your website. I want to tell everybody it is your name, Lisa Nezneski, N E Z N E S K I dot com. You're available to help anybody along with it, whether it's a medication question, which you have again a deep background there. Um, from the pharmaceutical side or mindfulness, you're there to help everybody. And uh, even if they have a question, a free consult, you could start there. Exactly. Yes. My contact form is on uh, contact me on the website. And I did briefly mention um, my Tuesday night group, which is uh, free meditation, basic meditation. Uh, it could be experienced or, or someone who is just starting out. And you can re- Find the information on Linktree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash my name, Lisa Nesnetsky. Gotcha. And uh, maybe next time we could do a podcast from your pool so I could hear the water feature. Oh, that could possibly be arranged. I could open the window. Yeah, and and the rest of us probably fall asleep because I love the sound of water just doing whatever it's going to do. Lisa, always a a pleasure having you with us and uh, look forward next time. Thank you, Steve. Thank Talk you. soon. Yep. We'll Bye, be right everyone. Back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? 
And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.